Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim In the name of Allah most gracious most merciful Do you know Muhammad peace be upon him part 2 Selected uh, sayings of the Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him abstinence kill not your hearts with excess of eating and drinking adultery the adultery of the eye is to look with desire on the wife of another and the adultery of the tongue is to utter what is forbidden aged persons verily to honor an old man is showing respect to god alms giving the best of alms is that which the right hand gives and the left hand knows not off animals fear god in treating animals and ride them when they are fit to be ridden and get off them when they are tired backbiting backbiting vitiates ablution and fasting beauty god is a beauty and he is delighted in the beautiful begging whoever opens unto himself the door of begging god will open unto him the door of poverty benefits there are two benefits of which the generality of men are the losers and of which they do not know the value time leisure and health charity every good act is charity chastity modesty and chastity are part of the faith cleanliness god is pure and he loves purity and cleanliness coffin when a coffin passes by you whether of jewish christian or muslim person rise to your feet <coughs> compassion there is no reward but paradise for a muslim who suffers with patience when the soul of his affectionate friend is taken conscious all actions are judged by the motive prompting them or conscience contentment riches are not from an abundance of worldly goods but from a contented mind god loves those who are content control of self whoever suppresses his anger when he has in his power to show it god will give him great reward courtesy humility and courtesy are acts of piety cultivation of land there is no muslim who plants a tree or sows a field and man birds or beast eat from them but it is charity for him again there is no muslim who plants a tree or sows a field and man or birds and man or birds or beast eat from them but it is charity for him the dead do not speak ill of the dead death the grave is the first stage of the journey into eternity none of you must die but with full submission to the will of god and with hope for his mercy and pardon deliberation
Deliberation, consultation, in undertakings is pleasing to God. Disposition, I have been sent to explain fully good dispositions. Verily, the most beloved of you by me are those of the best dispositions. Divorce, the thing which is lawful but disliked by God is divorce. Duty of believers, worship God as though you see him. For if you do not see him, he sees you. Envy, keep yourselves far from envy. It eats up and takes away good actions like fire eats up and burns wood. Experience, he is not a perfect man of a fortitude who has not fallen into misfortunes and there is no physician without being experienced. Forgiveness, that person is nearest to God who pardons when he has power to retaliate. Gentleness. God is gentle and loves gentle and loves gentleness. Whoever has been given gentleness has been given a good portion in this world and the next. God. Whoever loves to meet God, God loves to meet him or her. If you love your creator, love your fellow beings first. God's forgiveness. God says, Verily, my compassion overcomes my wrath. God's kindness. God's kindness towards his creatures is more than a mother's towards her babe. <clears throat> good work, be persistent in good actions. Heart, beware, verily there is a piece of flesh in the body of man, which when good, the whole body is good, and when bad, the whole body is bad, and that is the heart. Heaven and hell... He is veiled in delights and heaven, in hardships and miseries. Sorry, heaven and hell. Hell is veiled in delights. Hell is veiled in delights and heaven in hardships and miseries. <clears throat> Hospitality. He who believeth in one God and after life let him honor his guest. Humility, humility and courtesy are acts of piety. Verily, God instructs me to be humble and lowly and not proud, and that no one should oppress another. Islam, to believe in God, after which obey the commandments and abandon the things forbidden. Jesus, both in this world and the hereafter, I am the nearest of all people to Jesus, the son of Mary. Prophet, are. The prophet are paternal brothers. The prophets are paternal brothers. Their mothers are different, but their religion is one. Jihad, the most excellent jihad, is that for the conquest of self. Kindness, he who is not kind to God's creature and to his own children, God will not be kind to him. Labor, God is gracious to him that earns his living by his own labor and not by begging. Learning, the person who shall pursue the path of knowledge, God will direct him to the path of paradise, seek knowledge from the cradle to the grave. Man's growth, he is the best man whose life is long and whose actions are good. Marriage, marriage is incumbent on all who possess the ability. Meanness, 
shall I tell you? The worst among you, those who eat alone, whip the slaves and give to nobody. Mishaps, no misfortune or displeasure befalls a servant of God. No misfortune or displeasure befalls a servant of God, small or great, but on account of his faults committed. But on account of his faults committed. Modesty. Modesty and chastity are parts of the faith. True modesty is the source of all virtues. Monopoly. Monopoly is unlawful in Islam. The holder of a monopoly is a sinner and an offender. Mothers. Paradise lies under the feet of mothers. Neighborliness. The best of persons in God's sight is the best amongst his friends. And the best of neighbors is the best person in his own neighborhood. Orphans, the best house is that in which there is an orphan who is well-treated, and the worst house is that in which an orphan is ill-treated. Parents, he who wishes to enter paradise, he who wishes to enter paradise must please his parents. God's pleasure is in a parent's pleasure. God's pleasure is in in a parent's pleasure, and God's displeasure is in parent's displeasure. Peacemaking, shall I not inform you of a better act than fasting, alms, and prayers, making peace between one another? Enmity and malice tear up heavenly rewards by the roots. Poverty, do not turn the poor away without giving them, if but half a date. Prayer, prayer is the mirage or ascendance to God of the faithful. Pride The proud will not enter paradise, nor a violent speaker. The proud meaning here, the one, the arrogant. Progress. The best of good acts in God's sight is that which is constantly attended to, although in a small degree. Punishment. God does not remove anyone out of the world, but that he wishes to pardon him by suffering in this world. He is exempted for punishment in hereafter. Purity, religion is admonition, and it means being pure. Those who will enter the garden of bliss are the ones who have a true, pure, and merciful heart. Quran, the other messengers of God had their miracles Mine is the Qur'an and will remain forever. Reason, God has not created anything better than reason or anything more perfect or more beautiful than reason. Family, the best of you before God and his creation are those who are best in their own families and I'm the best to my family. Repentance, a sincere repentant of sins. A sincere repentance of sins by a sinner is like... He committed none. Riches, riches properly employed is a blessing, and a man may lawfully endeavor to increase it by honest means. Sick, feed the hungry, visit a sick person, and free the captive if he be unjustly confined. Assist any person oppressed, whether Muslim or non-Muslim. Silence, there are no better acts than much silence, 
and a good disposition. Sin, can anyone walk through water without wetting his feet? Such is the condition of those of the world. They are not safe from sins. Truth, he is not of me who, when he speaks, speaks falsely, who, when he promises, breaks his promises, and who, when trust is reposed in him, fails in his trust. Usury, the taker of usury and the giver of it and the writer of its papers and the witness to it are equal in a crime. Women, women are the twin halves of men. The world and all things in it are valuable. But the most valuable thing in the world is a virtuous woman. World, the love of the world is the root of all evil. This worldly or this worldly or this world is a prison for the faithful, but a paradise for the unbelievers. First Revelation. Before his call to prophethood, Muhammad used to spend time alone in the cave of Hira, just outside Mecca in meditation and reflection away from the hustle and bustle of Mecca city and the misbehavior of some of its inhabitants. He loathed the idols which the Arabs used to worship and the many bogus religious traditions uh, built around them. However, he did not know any better. One day, while in the cave, he heard an unfamiliar voice calling him several times to recite. He asked to what he should recite and was eventually told to recite in the name of your Lord who created. He created man from a clot of blood. Recite. Your Lord is the most bountiful, who by the pen taught man what he did not know. Quran chapter 96 verses 1 to 5. These were the first words of the Quranic revelation Muhammad had received. As God was able to create man from a clot of blood, so too could he choose an illiterate man from Arabia for his most illustrious mission and final testament to mankind. Muhammad had no ambitions to become a prophet or receive revelation and was genuinely overwhelmed by the experience. But as soon as he realized the nature of his task, he embarked on building the community of Islam, similar to what earlier prophets such as Abraham and Moses had done. A fair and objective assessment of Muhammad's life would reveal that he fulfilled that honorable task and he stands out as a foremost leader and benefactor of the whole human race. Muhammad's Farewell Sermon O people, just as you regard this month, this day and this city as sacred, so regard the life and property of every Muslim as a sacred trust. Return the goods entrusted to you to their rightful owners. Hurt no one so that no one may hurt you. Remember that you will indeed meet your Lord and that he will indeed reckon your deeds. 
Allah has forbidden you to take hugely interest. Therefore, all interest obligations shall henceforth be waived. Beware of Satan for your safety and safety of your religion. He has lost all hope that he will ever be able to lead you astray in big things. So beware of following him in small things. O people, it is true that you have certain rights with regard to your woman, but they also have right over you. Do treat your women well and be kind to them, for they are your partners and committed helpers. O people, listen to me in earnest. Worship Allah. Say your five daily prayers. Fast during the month of Ramadan and give your wealth in zakat. Perform hajj if you can afford to. Perform hajj if you can afford to. You know that every Muslim is the brother of another Muslim. You are all equal. Nobody has superiority over other except by piety and good action. Remember, one day you will appear before Allah and answer for your deeds. So beware, do not go astray from the path of righteousness after I am gone. O people, no prophet or apostle will come after me, and no new faith will be born. I leave behind uh, me two things. I leave behind me two things, the Quran and my example, the Sunnah. And if you follow these, you will never go astray. All those who listen to me shall pass on my words to others and those to others again. Be my witness, O Allah, that I have conveyed your message to your people. Testimonials. These are testimonials of non-Muslims about Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. Mahatma Gandhi from 18. 69 to 1948, a political and spiritual leader of the Indian independence movement. Let's listen to what he says, or what he said. I wanted to know the best of the life of one who holds today an undistributed sway over the hearts of millions of mankind. I became more than convinced that it was not the sword that won a place for Islam in those days in the scheme of life. It was the rigid simplicity, the utter self-effacement of the Prophet Muhammad, the scrupulous regard for pledges, his intense devotion of his friends and followers, his intrepidity, his fearlessness, his absolute trust in God and in his own mission. These, and not the sword, carried everything before them and surrounded every obstacle. These, and not the sword, carried everything before them and surmounted every obstacle. When I closed the second volume of the Prophet's biography, I was sorry there was not more for me to read of that great life. Michael Hart. Michael Hart is an astrophysicist who has also written three books on history, The 100, a ranking of the most influential persons in history, 
1978, revised edition 1992. Let's listen to what he said. My choice of Muhammad to lead the list of the world's most influential persons may surprise some readers and may be questioned by others, but he was the only man in history who was supremely successful on both the secular and the religious level. It is probable that the relative influence of Muhammad on Islam has been larger than the combined influence of Jesus Christ and St. Paul on Christianity. It is this unparalleled combination of secular and religious influence which I feel entitles Muhammad to be considered the most influential single figure in human history. George Bernard Shaw, born in, 1860, uh, born in 1856 and died in 1950, an Irish playwright and a co-founder of the London School of the London School of Economics. He was also an essayist, novelist, and short story writer. Let's listen to what he said about Muhammad. I have always held the religion of Muhammad in high estimation because of its wonderful vitality. It is the only religion which appears to me to possess that assimilating capacity to the changing phase of existence which can make itself appeal to every age. I have studied him, the wonderful man, and in my opinion, far from being an antichrist, he must be called the savior of humanity. Karen Armstrong, a British academic and writer, winner of TED Prize 2008, author of Muhammad, a prophet for our time, 2007. Let's listen to what she says. Muhammad was not a man of violence. We must approach his life in a balanced way in order to appreciate his considerable achievements. As a, a paradigmatic personality, Muhammad has important lessons not only for Muslims but also for Western people. His life was a jihad, as we shall see. This word does not mean holy war, it means a struggle. Muhammad literally sweated with the effort to bring peace to worn, torn Arabia, and we need people who are prepared to do this today. His life was tireless campaign against greed, injustice, and arrogance. If we are to avoid catastrophe, the Muslim and Western worlds must learn not merely to tolerate, but to appreciate one another. A good place to start is with the figure of Muhammad. Edwin or Edward Gibbon. Edward Gibbon. Edward Gibbon and Simon Oakley in History of the Saracen Empire, London, 1870, page 54. Let's listen to what he says. I believe in one God. And Muhammad, the apostle of God, is the simple and invariable profession of Islam. The intellectual image of the deity has never been degraded by any visible idol. The honors of the prophet, the honors of the prophet have never transgressed the measure of human virtue, and his living precepts have restrained the gratitude 
of his disciples within the bounds of reason and religion. Muhammad brought an end to idol worship. He preached monotheism and infinite mercy of God, human brotherhood, care of the orphan, emancipation of slaves, forbidding of wine. No religion achieved as much success as Islam did. Leo Tolstoy, 1828-1910, a Russian writer who primarily wrote novels and short stories, a master of realistic fiction, and is, wise, is widely and is widely considered one of the world's greatest novelists, Leo Tolstoy. Let's listen to what he says about Prophet Muhammad. Muhammad has always been standing higher than the Christianity. He does not consider God as a human being and never makes himself equal to God. Muslims worship nothing except God and Muhammad is his messenger. There is not any mystery and secret in it. Alhamdulillah, praise be to Allah. This is the end of the book titled, Do You Know Muhammad? Peace be upon him. This is the end of part two. This uh, book is written by Islamic Information Center, Sultan Qaboos Grand Mosque, Muscat Sultanate of Oman. Their website is www.iicoman.om. www.iicoman.om. Alhamdulillah. Praise be to Allah. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. In the name of Allah, most gracious, most merciful. Do you know Muhammad? Peace be upon him. The Western culture has a long history of Islamophobia that dates back to the 12th century time of crusades ever since the western people have always found it difficult to see muhammad in a more objective light some sectors of western media have continued this tradition of hostility until today but the fact of the matter is that no view of our contemporary world is complete without a fair and balanced knowledge of Islam. And to understand Islam and Muslims, one must know Muhammad, the one man who changed the course of history and still continues to inspire over a billion lives across the globe even 14 centuries after his death. Muhammad didn't just call for faith in one God. He brought a message 
for every individual to add value to his or her life, and a message for every family to be happy, and a message for every society to be just and reinforce brotherhood, and a message for every nation to emphasize on solidarity and development, and a message for humanity to strengthen knowledge, love, and cooperation. To quote Karen Armstrong, a British academic and writer, if we are to avoid catastrophe, the Muslim and the Western world must learn not merely to tolerate, but to appreciate one another. A good place to start is with the figure Muhammad. A good place to start is with the figure of Muhammad. Introduction Over the years, the world has seen many occasions when the Prophet of Islam, Muhammad peace be upon him, has been both insulted and mocked through cartoons, books, and most recently on films. The Western institutions remain silent on perpetrators under the pretext of freedom of speech. Non-Muslims have been taken aback by the passionate Muslim reaction to these provocative acts. The small numbers who threaten and commit acts of violence in response consistently steal the headlines despite the actions of the overwhelming majority who may be emotional, vocal, and angry, but remain peaceful. They are ordinary people just like millions of others across the world. Among them are mothers, fathers, teachers, students, doctors, lawyers, lawyers, engineers, and business people. Most people do not understand why Muslims were so offended. They are unable to appreciate how much Muslims admire and love Muhammad. This may be in part because much of what has been written in the West about Islam and Muhammad over the centuries has been ill-informed or politically driven campaign. In this small pamphlet, we aim to shed some light in order to provide a more informed understanding of one of the most important human beings ever to live and who has been described by the Almighty God as a mercy to the worlds. This is found in Quran, chapter 21, verse 107. Who was Muhammad? Muhammad, peace be upon him, lived in the early 7th century. He was born in Mecca in the Arabian Peninsula, a town known as a hub of trade and pilgrimage, visited by people from Yemen in the south and Syria in the north. The people of that time had some good qualities, but were also characterized by some extremely unpleasant morals and values that had become norms within their society, in particular with regards to women, orphans, slaves, the poor and vulnerable, and in relation to their religion. Strangely enough, events that took place in the 7th century Arabia have much to teach us about the events of our time. Muhammad called the prevailing spirit of his time as Jahiliya, or time of ignorance, that is the pre-Islamic Arabia, 
However, Jahiliya does not refer to an historical era, rather a state of mind that breeds injustice, corruption, violence, and terror. Until the age of 40, Muhammad lived an ordinary life, other than being widely admired for his integrity, honesty, manners, and wisdom. He was actually known among his people as the truthful and the trustworthy. He would show an uncommon concern for others, not least towards his family, friends, and relations. It was only when he was 40 after receiving divine revelation from God that he began his mission to try to change the society around him. What was he calling for? Muhammad, peace be upon him, challenged three core matters that upset the status quo in Mecca. These were, one, the irrational idea that material things were worthy of worship. Two, the social hierarchy that maintained the superiority of certain tribes and families at the expense of others. Three, the injustice, corruption, and harmful practices of the society. He called for some very positive alternatives. One, he invited people to worship the one and only God who created the universe and all the things in it. Two, the idea that no human being was superior to another because of race, gender, or any physical quality. He argued that the only superiority among people is that of moral excellence. Three, a society built around ideas of justice, charity, and respect for others with a strong spiritual and moral foundation. What was the impact of his call? Many were convinced by him from amongst the elite of society and from amongst the poor and the slaves. Whereas those in positions of power responded with anger, intense hatred and slanders. Muhammad and his followers endured violence and torture from the people of Mecca, but they did not retaliate or raise arms. They responded to the aggression by stepping up their non-violent challenge of ideas in the society. After 13 years of persistence in Mecca, a group of people from another town called Medina invited Muhammad to live with them, accepting him as their leader and pledging to defend him and his message. This marked a shift from persecution by those in Mecca towards Muslims to a declaration of war by them on him and his newly founded state. After many battles over many years, the Prophet's state centered in the city of Medina triumphed and he entered Mecca victorious but demonstrating his incredibly magnanimous nature forgave almost all his former enemies. He then set out carrying his message to the neighboring regions 
implementing the ruling of the Quran, he forbade anyone from being forced to convert to Islam. Belief, he said, had to be a free choice without compulsion. But where he saw, but where he saw oppression, but where he saw oppression, or where people were not allowed that free choice, he used his army to end oppression, establish justice and allow people to choose if they wished to become Muslim or not. What were his beliefs? Something that can be worshipped is termed a god, Arabic ilah. He argued that people should worship the only thing worthy of worship, the god that created us all, in Arabic, Allah. He explained that this central part of his message was not new. Rather, it was the same message that had been proclaimed before by previous prophets, Jesus, Moses, Abraham, and others. Peace and a blessing be upon them all. Unlike other religions, he absolutely prevented any kind of priesthood or clerical hierarchy. He ordered that after him, Muslims should choose their leader and remain united behind their leader as long as he fulfilled his contract and duty towards them, according to the laws of Islam. The leader of the Muslims, the Caliph, the Arabic word Khalifa means a vicegerent or deputy. Uh, so the leader of the Muslim, the Caliph, was not divinely chosen and had no divine right to rule. He was rather the one deputized by uh, the other uh, Muslims to lead them. The Prophet did not forbid his followers from asking questions. He did not suppress debate or scientific inquiry, and he ob obliged people to account their uh, leaders, warning of dire consequences if leaders were not brought to account. However, he forbade mockery of other faiths, as well as the spirit of malicious gossip and slander. The Islamic world that was built on the foundation of his example entered a golden age of intellectual and scientific inquiry and academic thought amidst unparalleled justice and harmony between people of different backgrounds. What was his spiritual message? As well as inviting people to think about what they had come from, okay, as well as inviting people to think about where they had come from, how they had been created, and why they are here, he tapped into that in it spiritual instinct people have a desire to connect with something greater than themselves that inspires awe and to search for tranquility in the heart. Based on the Qur'an, he defined for his followers some regular rituals which encourage a spiritual connection, saying, Worship Allah. Say your five daily prayers, Salat. Fast during the month of Ramadan and give your wealth in zakat, charitable payment to the poor. Perform Hajj pilgrimage if you can afford it. He encouraged a direct link between an individual and God, ensured that any good deed could be 
uh, could be an act of worship if done with a pure intention and connected to one's belief or in response to an order from God. The Quran that was revealed to him is a miracle, a scripture of unparalleled quality and depth which contained a challenge to anyone to produce even one chapter of equivalent quality. Over the centuries, many tried but all failed and have continued to fail. A way for humanity to live together. The Prophet defined a distinct way for people to live together. His society worked on two levels. The first was to encourage individual behavior by teaching the instructions of the Quran, by his personal uh, example, and by reminding people of their individual responsibility and accountability to God. He said, Remember, one day you will appear before Allah and answer for your deeds. So beware, do not stray from the path of righteousness after I am gone. The second was by implementing laws on a state level that secured the virtues and values he encouraged in individuals as well as carrying them in the international arena. His message was for all humanity, all time, not for a few chosen people, nor for a single race. He showed how humanity could live together in peace and harmony. He firmly opposed all forms of racism, saying instead, All mankind is from Adam and Eve. No Arab has superiority over a non-Arab, nor does a non-Arab have any superiority over an Arab. Also, a white has no superiority over a black, nor does a black have any superiority over white except by piety and righteous deeds. He encouraged a, a meritocratic society where he said that people should follow their leader even if he were a slave, i.e. regardless of race and or social status. He encouraged the freeing of slaves for slavery was a norm at that uh, time and following his teachings slavery eventually died out in the Muslim world you could see Quran chapter 49 verse 13 he conveyed the message to everyone with any moderate means should give he conveyed the message that everyone with any moderate means should give 2.5% of their annual unused wealth as a regular charitable tax called zakah. And beyond that, if people were able to give more, they would be rewarded accordingly, though that was not compulsory. He forbade punitive taxes, such as income tax, sales taxes, as well as interest-bearing loans like those that has today crippled individuals, families, and nations. He did not forbid the possession of personal wealth, but discouraged people from pursuing it excessively. In a state, his way encouraged wealth to circulate, stimulating trade and the economy. 
He said, Return the goods entrusted to you to their rightful owners. Hurt no one, so that no one may hurt you. Remember that you will indeed meet your Lord, and that he will indeed reckon your deeds. God has forbidden you to take usury interest. Therefore, all interest obligations shall henceforth be waived. Your capital, however, is yours to keep. You will neither inflict nor suffer any inequity. While private citizens were allowed to own property, he insisted that the vital commodities, water, sources of fuel, mineral wealth, etc., are for all citizens to share and not to be monopolized by a few. He said, People have a right in three things, water, pastures, and fire, meaning all uh, fuel. He ordered that land should be made productive by its owners, or else it would be given to hard-working people who would use it themselves. In this way, he broke a monopoly of a few people owning vast tracts of unproductive land and allotted the sections of it to those who had none. He built an identity that overcame race, class, tribe, and color such that Muslims had to see each other as brothers and sisters as a one nation, Ummah. He insisted that all citizens needed to be just to each other, protecting rights to worship of property, life, and honor for all, including non-Muslim citizens, which is why, after hundreds of years, non-Muslim communities continue to thrive in Muslim countries. He said that if people harmed non-Muslim citizens, it would be as if they had harmed the Prophet himself. He even went so far as to say that people should treat animals well, not waste water, not cause pollution, and not harm their surrounding environment. He established the Quranic ideal that man is a deputy on earth with responsibility towards everything on the planet. He encouraged all these things in people's personal behavior, but also institutionalized many of them as laws in his state so as to secure these values in society. See Quran chapter 2 verse 30. Wasn't he violent? Muhammad's career is divided into the Meccan period, first 13 years, and Medinan period, last 10 years. The revelation in Mecca period is characterized by the story of the rejected and persecuted prophet. Had the assassination plot against him in 621 succeeded, his religious career would have ended like that of Jesus. However, Muhammad escaped by God's uh, grace and went to live in Medina, where he led a larger community and faced the challenges of creating a new society and state. The Quran continued to be revealed, but the focus broadened now from the purely spiritual to include the 
more temporal issues of community building, lawmaking, and social institutions. In Medina, he came under direct military attacks for the first time. Consequently, the message also focused on defining the concept of just war. Formal permission to fight is first given in Medinan period. They ask thee concerning fighting in the prohibited month, say, fighting therein is a grave offense, but graver is it concerning fighting in the prohibited month. Sorry, uh, again. Consequently, the message also focused on defining the concept of just war. Formal permission to fight is first given in Medinan period. They ask thee concerning fighting in the prohibited month. Say, fighting therein is a grave offense, but graver is it in the sight of God to prevent access to the path of God, to deny him, to deny him, to prevent access to the sacred mosque and drive out its members. Tumult and oppression are worse than slaughter, nor will they cease fighting you until they turn you back from your faith if they can. And if any of you and if any of you turn back from their faith and die in unbelief, their works will bear no fruit in this life and in the hereafter they will be companions of the fire and will abide therein. Those who believed and those who suffered exile and fought and strove and struggled in the path of God, they have the hope of the mercy of God. And God is oft forgiving, most merciful. Quran chapter 2, verses 217 and 218. Throughout this period, the Muslim community was in mortal danger and literally fighting for its survival. The notions of spiritual striving and God consciousness are hallmarks of jihad. War in Islam is defensive and is placed within the larger concept of striving for what is right. Though jihad might involve bloodshed, its broader meaning is exerting an effort for improvement, not only politically or militarily, but also in the moral, spiritual, and intellectual realms. Muhammad is often quoted for calling the militant aspect the minor jihad while referring to the improvement of one's self as the greater jihad. Other revelations during this period concerned the proper treatment of prisoners of war and non-combatants, the sanction against killing innocent civilians, and the respectful treatment of enemy corpses, the wanton destruction of property, animals or agricultural resources was put off limits too. Even words of consolation for captives are found in the Quran in chapter 8 verse 70. In times of war, Muhammad always put himself on the front line, enduring the risks and hardships his people had to endure. In his capacity as a military leader, 
he defined rules of etiquette in war that showed his integrity and the integrity he expected of all Muslims who followed him. His successor and closest friend Abu Bakr summarized the Prophet's teaching on warfare when he said to his armies, may Allah be pleased with him, he said, I command you ten things. Learn them by heart. Do not betray. Defraud by stealing the spoils of war or break treaties. Do not mutilate. Do not mutilate, kill women, young children or the elderly. Do not do that. Do not uproot or burn palm trees. Do not cut down fruitful trees. Do not, uh, do not, again, do not cut down fruitful trees, slaughter sheep, cows or camels except for eating. You will come across people secluded in monasteries. So leave them and what they are devoted to. This is found in the history of At-Tabari, volume 3. Wasn't he oppressive? And didn't he use harsh punishments? The Prophet addressed problems in the society or in his society from a viewpoint of prevention. On a personal level, he encouraged a sense of right and wrong along with consciousness of pleasing God which established a wholesome environment. On a political level, he made sure people were fed, clothed, and sheltered. All of this reduced wrongdoing and crime. But when it came to people violating the law within such an environment, he established an unparalleled system of justice as part of his state. He ruled that it was better to let a guilty man free rather than punish an innocent man. And he set the standards of evidence so high that proof in the courts had to be beyond doubt, not beyond reasonable doubt. Therefore, if someone was found guilty, a relatively rare occurrence, the punishments were very firm and therefore acted as a deterrent. He made it very clear that no one was above the law, not even his own family members. The British political philosopher and politician Edmund Burke once said, We have referred you to the Muhammadan law, which is binding upon all, from the crowned head to the meanest subject, a law interwoven with a system of the wisest, the most learned and most enlightened uh, jurisprudence, and the most enlightened jurisprudence that perhaps ever existed in the world. What about his attitude towards women? Much that has been said in the West about the Prophet's attitude to women is false, whether it is looking at the treatment of women or about the uh, numbers of wives he had. He married for the first time. He married for the first time later than average uh, sorry he married for the first uh, he married uh, for the first time later than average for a man in his community he remained solely married to his first wife Khadija 
who was 15 years older than him until she passed away, which was also unusual as men at that time commonly had many wives. So, so he married, I will repeat that, he married for the first time later than average for a man in his community. He remained solely married to his first wife Khadija, who was 15 years older than him until she passed away, which was also unusual as men uh, at that time commonly had many wives. In the end, Islam limited his or this practice to four wives and established strict conditions of justice on a man who took more than one wife. Later, after his beloved Khadija passed away, he married again and more than once, but for different reasons to give an example to others to marry widows and divorcees or to strengthen political relationships. In his personal life, he was the best of husbands. He did not... He did not raise his voice or lose his temper, even under provocation. He helped with the household chores. He showed affection and warmth to his wives. He took their opinions on matters and heard their criticism. He advised Muslims, do treat your woman well and be kind to them, for they are your partners and committed helpers. He was the best of fathers and extremely kind to children, especially orphans. Women in the 7th century Arabia, for that matter, women in the whole world, had few, if any, rights. Even the right of life could be in a question, since it was not uncommon for, uh, for small girls to be buried alive during times of scarcity. In the Quran, it is said that on Judgment Day, buried girls will rise out of their graves and ask for what crime they were killed. Part of Muhammad's legacy was ending infanticide, infanticide and establish explicit rights for women. Islam teaches that men and women are equal before God. It grants women divinely sanctioned inheritance, property, social and marriage rights, including the right to reject the terms of a, a proposal and to initiate divorce. In Islam's early period, women were professionals and property owners, as many are today. Muhammad himself frequently counseled Muslim men to treat their wives and daughters well. Uh, you have rights over your woman, he is reported to have said, and your women have rights over you. He once remarked that heaven lies at the feet of mothers. As the father of four daughters in a society that prized sons, he told other fathers that if their daughters spoke well of them on the day of judgment, they would enter paradise. Today, social systems in the Muslim world fall short of women's rights by, wave, by varying degrees. But Muslims generally view Islam as progressive in these matters. Muslim feminists hold the view that the problems presently hindering Muslim women are not Islam-related. They are those that hinder women of all backgrounds worldwide, oppressive cultural practices, poverty, illiteracy, political repression, and patriarchy. <coughs> 
The same present-day barriers to women's equality prevailed in the 7th century Arabia, and Muhammad opposed them and was able to improve women's position in his lifetime. Many modern Muslims continue to value his example, which they cite when uh, pressing for women's rights. <coughs> what was his legacy? Muhammad, peace be upon him, was both a prophet of God and a statesman. His leadership was both comprehensive and dynamic. As a political leader, the Prophet unified the Arabian Peninsula, established the first Islamic state, whose capital was Medina, and set the foundations for a distinct political system. The state he established was both unique and timeless, built on justice, accountability, and genuine care for all citizens. Whether Muslim or otherwise, all were treated equally in the eyes of the law. The story of uh, uh, the the story of Tuma ibn uh, Abraq is an excellent example of justice for all people under his authority. Uh, Tuma, who was a Muslim, stole someone's armor in Medina, and then he blamed a Jewish man. God sent a special revelation to warn people against such injustice. Quran chapter 4, verses 110 to 112. The Jewish citizen of Medina was declared innocent and Tuma was found uh, guilty. <coughs> uh, the state and political system he established, known as the Caliphate, endured for hundreds of years and ruled vast areas of the word encompassing areas as widespread as Spain, Eastern Europe, Turkey, as well as the Middle East, Africa, India, China, and the Far East. The Caliphate was known uh, in its uh, heyday as a bastion of innovation, creativity, and progress at a time when Europe was going through its dark ages. How God describes Muhammad, peace be upon him, in the Quran. <coughs> Let's go over these verses. And we have not sent you, O Muhammad, except as a mercy to the world. Quran chapter 21, verse 107. O Prophet Muhammad, indeed, we have sent you as a witness and a bringer of good uh, tidings and a warner and one who invites to God by his permission and an illuminating lamp. Quran chapter 33 verses 45-46 There has certainly been for you there has certainly been for you in the messenger of God Muhammad an excellent pattern for anyone whose hope is in Allah and the last day and who remembers God often Quran chapter 33 verse 21 And indeed for you Muhammad is a reward uninterrupted and indeed you, Muhammad, are of a great moral character. Quran chapter 68, verses 3 and 4. O you who have believed, obey God and obey the messenger Muhammad and do not invalidate your deeds. Quran chapter 47, 33. And whoever obeys God and the messenger Muhammad, those will be with the ones upon whom God has bestowed favor of the prophets, the steadfast affirmers of truth, the martyrs, and the righteous and excellent are those as companions Quran chapter 4 verse 69 indeed 
God confers blessing upon the Prophet Muhammad and his angels ask him to do so. O you who have believed, ask God to confer blessing upon him and ask God to grant him peace. Quran chapter 33 verse 56. Muhammad is not the father of any of your men, but is God's messenger and the seal of the prophets. God has knowledge of all things. Quran chapter 33 verse 40 and obey Allah and the messenger Muhammad that you may obtain mercy Quran chapter 3 verse 142 he who obeys the messenger Muhammad has indeed obeyed Allah but he who turns away then we have not sent you O Muhammad as a watcher over them Quran chapter 4 verse 80 on that day, those who disbelieved and disobeyed the messenger Muhammad will wish that they were buried in the earth, but they will never be able to abide a single fact from Allah. Quran chapter 4 verse 42. O mankind, verily there has come to you the messenger Muhammad with the truth from your Lord. So believe in him. It is better for you. But if you disbelieve, then certainly to Allah belongs all that is in the heavens and the earth, and Allah is ever all-knowing, all-wise. Quran chapter 4, verse 100. <coughs> Muhammad, a servant, messenger, and perfect example. A prophet is a unique person, a human being, yet he speaks for God. The difficult task has always been that of dealing with a human being as a prophet. It is easy to go to one extreme of making him divine or another of considering him an ordinary person. Jesus, peace be upon, upon him, is a good testimony of a prophet that has been made divine. One must contrast the delicate balance offered by Islam. Muhammad, peace be upon him, is presented as the servant, messenger, and perfect example of human being but he is not divine. He speaks for God, but he is not God. He is the object of our gratitude, ardent love, devotion, and unswerving allegiance, but he is not the object of our worship. The testimony of faith, there is no God but Allah, and Muhammad is his servant and messenger, but Muhammad is his servant and messenger, protects Muslims from making him divine. Again, the testimony of faith, there is no God but Allah, and Muhammad is his servant and messenger, protects Muslims from making him divine. Muslims are also asked to invoke God to send his blessing and peace on him. Quran chapter 33 verse 56, which also protects Muslims of treating the Prophet like an ordinary man, for it is not possible for those who always invoke God's blessings and peace for the Prophet to degrade him to the level of just an ordinary person. Muslims thus find in Muhammad the perfect example to follow. They also find him a mighty servant and messenger to love and respect. He left behind a rich human legacy, and to love him and follow him is to sit upon a lifelong journey of aligning to the divine will. He was an orphan and a father, a husband and a widow, a husband and a widower, sorry. He was an orphan and a father, a husband and a widower, a shepherd 
and a trader, a commander, and a spiritualist, a ruler for his people, and among the among the poorest of them, a father who suffered the heartbreak of burying his children, and a grandfather who relished the delightful time with his grandchildren. He exemplified truthfulness, justice, forgiveness, compassion, tolerance, restraint, perseverance, thankfulness, gratitude, cleanliness, modesty, and the many etiquettes of beauty. In the name of Allah, most gracious, most merciful. Do you know Muhammad? Peace be upon him. The Western culture has a long history of Islamophobia that dates back to the 12th century time of crusades ever since the western people have always found it difficult to see muhammad in a more objective light some sectors of western media have continued this tradition of hostility until today but the fact of the matter is that no view of our contemporary world is complete without a fair and balanced knowledge of Islam. And to understand Islam and Muslims, one must know Muhammad, the one man who changed the course of history and still continues to inspire over a billion lives across the globe, even 14 centuries after his death. Muhammad didn't just call for faith in one God. He brought a message for every individual to add value to his or her life, and a message for every family to be happy, and a message for every society to be just and reinforce brotherhood, and a message for every nation to emphasize on solidarity and development, and a message for humanity to strengthen knowledge, love, and cooperation. To quote Karen Armstrong, a British academic and writer, if we are to avoid catastrophe, the Muslim and the Western world must learn not merely to tolerate, but to appreciate one another. A good place to start is with the figure Muhammad. A good place to start is with the figure of Muhammad. Introduction Over the years, the world has seen many occasions when the Prophet of Islam, Muhammad peace be upon him, has been both insulted and mocked through cartoons, books, and most recently on films. The Western institutions remain silent on perpetrators under the pretext of freedom of speech. Non-Muslims have been taken aback by the passionate Muslim reaction to these provocative acts. 
A small numbers who threaten and commit acts of violence in response consistently steal the headlines despite the actions of the overwhelming majority who may be emotional, vocal, and angry, but remain peaceful. They are ordinary people just like millions of others across the world. Among them are mothers, fathers, teachers, students, doctors, lawyers, lawyers, engineers, and business people. Most people do not understand why Muslims were so offended. They are unable to appreciate how much Muslims admire and love Muhammad. This may be in part because much of what has been written in the West about Islam and Muhammad over the centuries has been ill-informed or politically driven campaign. In this small pamphlet, we aim to shed some light in order to provide a more informed understanding of one of the most important human beings ever to live and who has been described by the Almighty God as a mercy to the worlds. This is found in Quran, chapter 21, verse 107. Who was Muhammad? Muhammad, peace be upon him, lived in the early 7th century. He was born in Mecca in the Arabian Peninsula, a town known as a hub of trade and pilgrimage, visited by people from Yemen in the south and Syria in the north. The people of that time had some good qualities, but were also characterized by some extremely unpleasant morals and values that had become norms within their society, in particular with regards to women, orphans, slaves, the poor and vulnerable, and in relation to their religion. Strangely enough, events that took place in the 7th century Arabia have much to teach us about the events of our time. Muhammad called the prevailing spirit of his time as Jahiliya, or time of ignorance, that is the pre-Islamic Arabia. However, Jahiliya does not refer to an historical era, rather a state of mind that breeds injustice, corruption, violence, and terror. Until the age of 40, Muhammad lived an ordinary life, other than being widely admired for his integrity, honesty, manners, and wisdom. He was actually known among his people as the truthful and the trustworthy. He would show an uncommon concern for others, not least towards his family, friends, and relations. It was only when he was 40 after receiving divine revelation from God that he began his mission to try to change the society around him. What was he calling for? Muhammad, peace be upon him, challenged three core matters that upset the status quo in Mecca. These were, one, the irrational idea that material things were worthy of worship. Two, the social hierarchy that maintained the superiority of certain tribes and families at the expense of others. Three, 
the injustice, corruption, and harmful practices of the society. He called for some very positive alternatives. One, he invited people to worship the one and only God who created the universe and all the things in it. Two, the idea that no human being was superior to another because of race, gender, or any physical quality. He argued that the only superiority among people is that of moral excellence. Three, a society built around ideas of justice, charity, and respect for others with a strong spiritual and moral foundation. What was the impact of his call? Many were convinced by him from amongst the elite of society and from amongst the poor and the slaves. Whereas those in positions of power responded with anger, intense hatred and slanders. Muhammad and his followers endured violence and torture from the people of Mecca, but they did not retaliate or raise arms. They responded to the aggression by stepping up their non-violent challenge of ideas in the society. After 13 years of persistence in Mecca, a group of people from another town called Medina invited Muhammad to live with them, accepting him as their leader and pledging to defend him and his message. This marked a shift from persecution by those in Mecca towards Muslims to a declaration of war by them on him and his newly founded state. After many battles over many years, the Prophet's state centered in the city of Medina triumphed and he entered Mecca victorious but demonstrating his incredibly magnanimous nature forgave almost all his former enemies. He then set out carrying his message to the neighboring regions, implementing the ruling of the Quran. He forbade anyone from being forced to convert to Islam. Belief, he said, had to be a free choice without compulsion. But where he saw, but where he saw oppression, but where he saw oppression or where people were not allowed that free choice, he used his army to end oppression, establish justice, and allow people to choose if they wished to become Muslim or not. What were his beliefs? Something that can be worshipped is termed a god, Arabic ilah. He argued that people should worship the only thing worthy of worship, the God that created us all, in Arabic, Allah. He explained that this central part of his message was not new. Rather, it was the same message that had been proclaimed before by previous prophets, Jesus, Moses, Abraham, and others. Peace and a blessing be upon on them all. Unlike other religions, he absolutely prevented any kind of priesthood or clerical hierarchy. 
He ordered that after him, Muslims should choose their leader and remain united behind their leader as long as he fulfilled his contract and duty towards them, according to the laws of Islam. The leader of the Muslims, the Caliph, the Arabic word Khalifa means a vicegerent or deputy. Uh, so the leader of the Muslim, the Caliph, was not divinely chosen and had no divine right to rule. He was rather the one deputized by uh, the other uh, Muslims to lead them. The Prophet did not forbid his followers from asking questions. He did not suppress debate or scientific inquiry, and he ob obliged people to account their uh, leaders, warning of dire consequences if leaders were not brought to account. However, he forbade mockery of other faiths as well as the spirit of malicious gossip and slander. The Islamic world that was built on the foundation of his example entered a golden age of intellectual and scientific inquiry and academic thought amidst unparalleled justice and harmony between people of different backgrounds. What was his spiritual message? As well as inviting people to think about what they had come from, okay, as well as inviting people to think about where they had come from, how they had been created, and why they are here, he tapped into that in it spiritual instinct people have a desire to connect with something greater than themselves that inspires awe and to search for tranquility in the heart. Based on the Qur'an, he defined for his followers some regular rituals which encourage a spiritual connection, saying, Worship Allah. Say your five daily prayers, Salat. Fast during the month of Ramadan and give your wealth in zakat, charitable payment to the poor. Perform Hajj pilgrimage if you can afford it. He encouraged a direct link between an individual and God, ensured that any good deed could be uh, could be an act of worship if done with a pure intention and connected to one's belief or in response to an order from God. The Quran that was revealed to him is a miracle, a scripture of unparalleled quality and depth which contained a challenge to anyone to produce even one chapter of equivalent quality. Over the centuries, many tried, but all failed and have continued to fail. A way for humanity to live together. The Prophet defined a distinct way for people to live together. His society worked on two levels. The first was to encourage individual behavior by teaching the instructions of the Qur'an by his personal uh, example and by reminding people of their individual responsibility and accountability to God. He said, remember, one day you will appear before Allah and answer for your deeds. So beware, do not stray from the path of righteousness after I am gone. The second was 
by implementing laws on a state level that secured the virtues and values he encouraged in individuals as well as carrying them in the international arena. His message was for all humanity, all time, not for a few chosen people, nor for a single race. He showed how humanity could live together in peace and harmony. He firmly opposed all forms of racism, saying instead, All mankind is from Adam and Eve. No Arab has superiority over a non-Arab, nor does a non-Arab have any superiority over an Arab. Also, a white has no superiority over a black, nor does a black have any superiority over white except by piety and righteous deeds. He encouraged a, a meritocratic society where he said that people should follow their leader even if he were a slave, i.e. regardless of race and or social status. He encouraged the freeing of slaves, for slavery was a norm at that uh, time. And following his teachings, slavery eventually died out in the Muslim world. You could see Quran, chapter 49, verse 13. He conveyed the message to everyone with any moderate means should give. He conveyed the message that Everyone with any moderate means should give 2.5% of their annual unused wealth as a regular charitable tax called zakah. And beyond that, if people were able to give more, they would be rewarded accordingly, though that was not compulsory. He forbade punitive taxes such as income tax, sales taxes, as well as interest bearing loans like those that has today crippled individuals, families, and nations. He did not forbid the possession of personal wealth, but discouraged people from pursuing it excessively. In a state, his way encouraged wealth to circulate, stimulating trade and the economy. He said, return the goods entrusted to you to their rightful owners. Hurt no one so that no one may hurt you. Remember that you will indeed meet your Lord and that he will indeed reckon your deeds. God has forbidden you to take usury interest. Therefore, all interest obligations shall henceforth be waived. Your capital, however, is yours to keep. You will neither inflict nor suffer any inequity. While private citizens were allowed to own property, he insisted that the vital commodities, water, sources of fuel, mineral wealth, etc. are for all citizens to share and not to be monopolized by a few. He said, people have a right in three things, water, pastures and fire, meaning all uh, fuel. He ordered that land should be made productive by its owners or else it would be given to hard-working people who would use it themselves. In this way, he broke a monopoly of a few people 
owning vast tracts of unproductive land and allotted the sections of it to those who had none. He built an identity that overcame race, class, tribe, and color such that Muslims had to see each other as brothers and sisters as a one nation, Ummah. He insisted that all citizens needed to be just to each other, protecting rights to worship of property, life, and honor for all, including non-Muslim citizens, which is why after hundreds of years, non-Muslim communities continue to thrive in Muslim countries. He said that if people harmed non-Muslim citizens, it would be as if they had harmed the Prophet himself. He even went so far as to say that people should treat animals well, not waste water, not cause pollution, and not harm their surrounding environment. He established the Quranic ideal that man is a deputy on earth with responsibility towards everything on the planet. He encouraged all these things in people's personal behavior, but also institutionalized many of them as laws in his state so as to secure these values in society. See Quran chapter 2 verse 30. Wasn't he violent? Muhammad's career is divided into the Meccan period, first 13 years, and Medinan period, last 10 years. The revelation in Mecca period is characterized by the story of the rejected and persecuted prophet. Had the assassination plot against him in 621 succeeded, his religious career would have ended like that of Jesus. However, Muhammad escaped by God's uh, grace and went to live in Medina, where he led a larger community and faced the challenges of creating a new society and state. The Quran continued to be revealed, but the focus broadened now from the purely spiritual to include the more temporal issues of community building, law-making, and social institutions. In Medina, he came under direct military attacks for the first time. Consequently, the message also focused on defining the concept of just war. Formal permission to fight is first given in Medinan period. They ask thee concerning fighting in the prohibited month, say, fighting therein is a grave offense, but graver is it concerning fighting in the prohibited month. Sorry, uh, again. Consequently, the message also focuses on defining the concept of just war. Formal permission to fight is first given in Medinan period. They ask thee concerning fighting in the prohibited month. Say, fighting therein is a grave offense, but graver is it in the sight of God to prevent access to the path of God, to deny him, to deny him, to prevent access to the sacred mosque and drive out its members. Tumult and oppression are worse than slaughter nor will they 
cease fighting you until they turn you back from your faith if they can. And if any of you and if any of you turn back from their faith and die in unbelief, their works will bear no fruit in this life and in the hereafter they will be companions of the fire and will abide therein. Those who believed and those who suffered exile and fought and strove and struggled in the path of God, they have the hope of the mercy of God. And God is oft forgiving, most merciful. Quran chapter 2, verses 217 and 218. Throughout this period, the Muslim community was in mortal danger and literally fighting for its survival. The notions of spiritual striving and God consciousness are hallmarks of jihad. War in Islam is defensive and is placed within the larger concept of striving for what is right. Though jihad might involve bloodshed, its broader meaning is exerting an effort for improvement, not only politically or militarily, but also in the moral, spiritual, and intellectual realms. Muhammad is often quoted for calling the militant aspect the minor jihad, while referring to the improvement of one's self as the greater jihad. Other revelations during this period concerned the proper treatment of prisoners of war and non-combatants, the sanction against killing innocent civilians, and the respectful treatment of enemy corpses. The wanton destruction of property, animals, or agricultural resources was put off limits too. Even words of consolation for captives are found in the Quran. In chapter 8, verse 70. In times of war, Muhammad always put himself on the front line, enduring the risks and hardships his people had to endure. In his capacity as a military leader, he defined rules of etiquette in war that showed his integrity and the integrity he expected of all Muslims who followed him. His successor and closest friend Abu Bakr summarized the Prophet's teaching on warfare when he said to his armies, may Allah be pleased with them, he said, I command you ten things. Learn them by heart. Do not betray. Defraud by stealing the spoils of war or break treaties. Do not mutilate. Do not mutilate. Kill women, young children, or the elderly. Do not do that. Do not uproot or burn palm trees. Do not cut down fruitful trees. Do not, uh, do not, again, do not cut down fruitful trees, slaughter sheep, cows, or camels except for eating. You will come across people secluded in monasteries. So leave them and what they are devoted to. This is found in the history of At-Tabari, volume 3. Wasn't he oppressive? And didn't he use harsh punishments? The Prophet addressed problems in the society or in his society from a viewpoint of prevention 
On a personal level, he encouraged a sense of right and wrong along with consciousness of pleasing God, which established a wholesome environment. On a political level, he made sure people were fed, clothed, and sheltered. All of this reduced wrongdoing and crime. But when it came to people violating the law within such an environment, he established an unparalleled system of justice as part of his state. He ruled that it was better to let a guilty man free rather than punish an innocent man. And he set the standards of evidence so high that proof in the courts had to be beyond doubt, not beyond reasonable doubt. Therefore, if someone was found guilty, a relatively rare occurrence, the punishments were very firm and therefore acted as a deterrent. He made it very clear that no one was above the law, not even his own family members. The British political philosopher and politician Edmund Burke once said, We have referred you to the Mohammedan law, which is binding upon all, from the crowned head to the meanest subject, a law interwoven with a system of the wisest, the most learned and most enlightened uh, jurisprudence, and the most enlightened jurisprudence that perhaps ever existed in the world. What about his attitude towards women? Much that has been said in the West about the Prophet's attitude to women is false, whether it is looking at the treatment of women or about the uh, numbers of wives he had. He married for the first time. He married for the first time. Later than average, uh, sorry, he married for the first. Uh, he married uh, for the first time. Later than average for a man in his community. He remained solely married to his first wife Khadija, who was fifteen years older than him until she passed away which was also unusual as men at that time commonly had many wives. So, so he married, I will repeat that, he married for the first time later than average for a man in his community. He remained solely married to his first wife Khadija, who was 15 years older than him until she passed away, which was also unusual as men uh, at that time commonly had many wives. In the end, Islam limited his or this practice to four wives and established strict conditions of justice on a man who took more than one wife. Later, after his beloved Khadija passed away, he married again and more than once, but for different reasons, to give an example to others, to marry widows and divorcees, or to strengthen political relationships. In his personal life, he was the best of husbands. He did not, he did not raise his voice or lose his temper, even under provocation. He helped with the household chores. He showed affection and warmth to his wives. He took their opinions on matters and heard their criticism. 
He advised Muslims, do treat your women well and be kind to them for they are your partners and committed helpers. He was the best of fathers and extremely kind to children, especially orphans. Women in the 7th century Arabia, for that matter, women in the whole world, had few, if any, rights. Even the right of life could be in a question since it was not uncommon for, uh, for small girls to be buried alive during times of scarcity. In the Quran, it is said that on Judgment Day, buried girls will rise out of their graves and ask for what crime they were killed. Part of Muhammad's legacy was ending infanticide, infanticide and establish explicit rights for women. Islam teaches that men and women are equal before God. It grants women divinely sanctioned inheritance, property, social and marriage rights, including the right to reject the terms of a, a proposal and to initiate divorce. In Islam's early period, women were professionals and property owners, as many are today. Muhammad himself frequently counseled Muslim men to treat their wives and daughters well. Uh, you have rights over your woman, he is reported to have said, and your women have rights over you. He once remarked that heaven lies at the feet of mothers. As the father of four daughters in a society that prized sons, he told other fathers that if their daughters spoke well of them on the day of judgment, they would enter paradise. Today, social systems in the Muslim world fall short of women's rights by, wave, by varying degrees. But Muslims generally view Islam as progressive in these matters. Muslim feminists hold the view that the problems presently hindering Muslim women are not Islam-related. They are those that hinder women of all backgrounds worldwide, oppressive cultural practices, poverty, illiteracy, political repression, and patriarchy. <coughs> the same present-day barriers to women's equality prevailed in the 7th century Arabia, and Muhammad opposed them and was able to improve women's position in his lifetime. Many modern Muslims continue to value his example, which they cite when uh, pressing for women's rights. <coughs> What was his legacy? Muhammad, peace be upon him, was both a prophet of God and a statesman. His leadership was both comprehensive and dynamic. As a political leader, the prophet unified the Arabian Peninsula, established the first Islamic state, whose capital was Medina, and set the foundations for a distinct political system. The state he established was both unique and timeless, built on justice, accountability, and genuine care for all citizens. Whether Muslim or otherwise, all were treated equally in the eyes of the law. The story of uh, uh, the the story of Tuma ibn uh, Abraq is an excellent example of justice for all people under his authority. Uh, Tuma, who was a Muslim, stole someone's armor in Medina, and then he blamed a Jewish man. God sent a special revelation to warn people against such injustice. Quran chapter 4, verses 110 to 112. 
the Jewish citizen of Medina was declared innocent and Tuma was found uh, guilty. <coughs> uh, the state and political system he established, known as the Caliphate, endured for hundreds of years and ruled vast areas of the world, encompassing areas as widespread as Spain, Eastern Europe, Turkey, as well as the Middle East, Africa, India, China, and the Far East. The Caliphate was known uh, in its uh, heyday as a bastion of innovation, creativity, and progress at a time when Europe was going through its dark ages. How God describes Muhammad, peace be upon him, in the Quran. <coughs> Let's go over these verses. And we have not sent you, O Muhammad, except as a mercy to the worlds. Quran chapter 21, verse 107. O Prophet Muhammad, indeed, we have sent you as a witness and a bringer of good uh, tidings and a warner and one who invites to God by his permission and an illuminating lamp. Quran chapter 33, verses 45, 46. There has certainly been for you, there has certainly been for you in the Messenger of God, Muhammad, an excellent pattern for anyone whose hope is in Allah and the last day and who remembers God often. Quran chapter 33, verse 21. And indeed, for you, Muhammad, is a reward uninterrupted. And indeed, you, Muhammad, are of a great moral character. Quran chapter 68 verses 3 and 4. O you who have believed, obey God and obey the Messenger Muhammad and do not invalidate your deeds. Quran chapter 47, 33. And whoever obeys God and the Messenger Muhammad, those will be with the ones upon whom God has bestowed favor of the prophets, the steadfast affirmers of truth, the martyrs, and the righteous. And Excellent are those as companions. Quran chapter 4 verse 69. Indeed, God confers blessing upon the Prophet Muhammad and his angels ask him to do so. O you who have believed, ask God to confer blessing upon him and ask God to grant him peace. Quran chapter 33 verse 56. Muhammad is not the father of any of your men but is God's messenger and the seal of the prophets. God has knowledge of all things. Quran chapter 33, verse 40. And obey Allah and the messenger, Muhammad, that you may obtain mercy. Quran chapter 3, verse 142. He who obeys the messenger, Muhammad, has indeed obeyed Allah, but he who turns away, then we have not sent you, O Muhammad, as a watcher over them. Quran chapter 4, verse 80. On that day, those who disbelieved and disobeyed the messenger Muhammad will wish that they were buried in the earth, but they will never be able to abide a single fact from Allah. Quran chapter 4, verse 42. O mankind, verily, there has come to you the messenger Muhammad with the truth from your Lord. So believe in him. It is better for you. But if you disbelieve, then certainly to Allah belongs all that is in the heavens and the earth. And Allah is ever all-knowing, all-wise. Quran chapter 4, verse 100.
Muhammad, a servant, messenger, and perfect example. A prophet is a unique person, a human being, yet he speaks for God. The difficult task has always been that of dealing with a human being as a prophet. It is easy to go to one extreme of making him divine or another of considering him an ordinary person. Jesus, peace be upon, upon him, is a good testimony of a prophet that has been made divine. One must contrast the delicate balance offered by Islam. Muhammad, peace be upon him, is presented as the servant, messenger, and perfect example of human being, but he is not divine. He speaks for God, but he is not God. He is the object of our gratitude, ardent love, devotion, and unswerving allegiance, but he is not the object of our worship. The testimony of faith, there is no God but Allah, and Muhammad is his servant and messenger, but Muhammad is his servant and messenger, protects Muslims from making him divine. Again, the testimony of faith, there is no God but Allah, and Muhammad is his servant and messenger, protects Muslims from making him divine. Muslims are also asked to invoke God to send his blessing and peace on him. Quran chapter 33 verse 56 which also protects Muslims of treating the Prophet like an ordinary man, for it is not possible for those who always invoke God's blessings and peace for the Prophet to degrade him to the level of just an ordinary person. Muslims thus find in Muhammad the perfect example to follow. They also find him a mighty servant and messenger to love and respect. He left behind a rich human legacy, and to love him and follow him is to sit upon a lifelong journey of aligning to the divine will. He was an orphan and a father, a husband and a widow. A husband and a widower, sorry. He was an orphan and a father, a husband and a widower, a shepherd and a trader, a commander and a spiritualist, a ruler for his people and among the, among the poorest of them, a father who suffered the heartbreak of burying his children, and a grandfather who relished the delightful time with his grandchildren. He exemplified truthfulness, justice, forgiveness, compassion, tolerance, restraint, perseverance, thankfulness, gratitude, cleanliness, modesty, and the many etiquettes of beauty.